Kia welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And tell show, we've got an election special and we're going to tell you all about how the different parties' policies impact property investors. Now, this comes off the back of last night's webinar where we talked all about the policies and predictions that you can expect to see over the next year based on what happens at the election. Now, what I do want to say is that, hey, look, we're going to talk about the different parties and the policies that impact property investors. But you're going to choose who you vote for based on lots of different things. Might be health, education, transport, climate change. It could be any of those different things. So I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm just telling you what the different policies are. At the end of the day, you'll make up your own mind about who you vote for. And one thing I do want to mention is before recording this episode, we did email all of the different political parties asking them to confirm what their policies are. Now, Andrew, let's kick it off with interest deductibility. What sort of policies are we seeing from the different parties? Okay, so the Labour, the Greens and the Māori Party said that they're going to leave interest deductibility as it is. So if you've got an existing rental property that didn't have its code compliance certificate come out after the... 27th of March 2020, then your ability to claim the interest as an expense is going to continue to get phased out, and there's nothing saying that they're going to change this. National, they're going to reverse the decision, but they're going to phase in interest deductibility like the phase out, and it won't be fully phased in until 2026. Act, want to bring it back in straight away. So if you've got an existing rental property that's had the 50% deductibility now, 100% 100% deductible as of April 2024. Now, Andrew, of course, we don't know what the exact policy is going to be until after the election, but let's say that it was a National Act coalition. What do you think this would actually look like in practice? So, I mean, I guess if Nats have more swaying power, then, then possibly the phase-in period is going to apply. But if Act have some more seats and able to use this as a negotiation tactic when they set up their coalition, then there's good possibility that it might come in faster. And there are kind of two potential outcomes after the election. Either interest deductibility stays off as it is. So, you know, if we have a Labour, Greens, Te Party, Māori coalition, then obviously it'll stay off. Or if we get a National Act government come in, then it'll probably come back in. So Just, hang- it depends on at what speed it comes in. So hang on, let me get this straight. So it'll either change or stay the same? Well, yeah, those are the two options. Very profound. Now... Well, Andrew Nichol, you can prepare your own podcast notes. I mean, if you wanted to go out and and ask the the, the parties what their policies are and do all that work, you are, you're more than welcome to do that. I look forward to next week's podcast where we'll basically just be rambling off because Andrew Nichols prepared them. So let me ask you this, oh Messiah of property. No, come back here. No, this is staying in. The people need to know about how I'm abused in this relationship. Absolutely abused. So, Andrew Nichol, let me ask you this. What impact do you think would happen? Like, what's going to happen to the property market if deductibility comes back in? I think, obviously, then there is more of an incentive or less of a disincentive for people to not buy existing properties. But I don't think there's going to be a major change in the market. I think people who have existing rental properties will probably breathe a sigh of relief, but I don't see there being any major overnight shift in the in people's behaviour. Yeah, my sense is National probably wants to do the phase back in where it slowly comes in because they don't want to see a massive run back on the property market straight away. Yeah. So let's come and now talk about Brightline Test and Capital Gains Tax. Now, unsurprisingly, 
Labor, they just want to leave it bright line at 10 years, but they have ruled out a capital gains tax. They're saying they don't want to bring one in in the first three years. What's interesting is that in both the Green Party and Te Party Māori policies, neither of them have mentions of a capital gains tax. Now, both of them want to bring in a wealth tax, but we're going to come to that in a few minutes. National wants to cut back the bright line test to two years, and they want to do it by July 2024. So reasonably quick. ACT want to get rid of it completely. They've said they want to do that within the first 100 days. So it's really important to understand what that means. So they want to change the legislation within 100 days. That doesn't mean that it would come into effect straight away, but it might come in somewhere around that kind of April, July 2024 part as well. So we've got some pretty clear differences there as well. What is important is even though ACT says they want to do away with it completely, not two years, they want it zero years, you would still have to pay tax if your intention was to flip properties because we still have an intention-based system here in New Zealand. So if you're flipping or intending to make a profit because you're a developer or you're trading properties, you would still have to pay tax under that regime. Now, I don't think that that would have a lot of impact on the property market if we saw the Bright Line test move back. You don't think so? I th- I would have thought this might have had more of an impact than the interest deductibility. What makes you say that? Because I think there have been a lot of people sitting on the sidelines. So say, for example, we had the phasing in of interest deductibility. Remember that you know if you're on the 33% tax bracket and you've got no deductibility on your loan at the moment, if you're paying 7%, it's, it's the ZOA you're paying 10.5%. So it's very, very painful for investors with that at the moment. So I kind of think maybe it's because I hear this all the time, people saying, as soon as I'm outside of Brightline, I'm going to get rid of that property. Well, I think you'd probably see some more sales. I mean, I'm really talking about over the long term, oh, do long I term. expect it to have much of an impact? Probably not, because most investors that I see are wanting to hold for 15, 20 years anyway. So Brightline hasn't been a strong disincentive to kick them out of the market. But I think that there will be a lot of people on the sidelines who are saying, yeah, I'd like to sell my property. I actually saw on Q&A Nicola Willis, National Party's finance spokesperson, talking about how they want to change the foreign buyer ban, allow people to purchase properties that are uh, $2 million or over and charge them 15% for the privilege of doing that. I haven't looked into the numbers in any great detail, but there have been a lot of questions about them. And what she was saying is what a lot of people are missing is that as soon as you change the bright line test, there's going to be a lot of movement in properties. So people who perhaps wouldn't have sold in the past will then put their properties on the market. But let's come to new rental rules. What are you seeing proposed from the different parties? So Labor didn't have any policy that we could find around this. The Greens, they want to have a maximum increase of your rent per year, and they want that at a maximum of 3%. And I always kind of think, surely this opens up the way for you know people to be a bit unscrupulous and say, okay, well, I'm just going to end my tenancy with Ed, and I'm going to rent it out to Samantha here, and I, I'm going to just increase it by 5%. Well, they want to link it so that your past tenant and the new tenant, again, you've got that 3% rule. It'd be interesting to know how you track that. Yeah, and, and then also whether or not you could say, well, well, I've renovated the property. Well, you might do it based on bonds, but the issue is that, you know, you're my tenant now. I've taken your bond. You've been with me for five years. I've progressively increased the rent, but I never asked you for more bond, which I think is probably pretty standard for a lot of landlords out Correct. there. You know, then I get a new tenant and I increase the rent by another 3%, but I take a much larger bond now because I'm basing it on the current market rent. So even if you think, okay, well, we're going to track it through bonds, the question would be, well, that doesn't seem very practical. No. So it'd be interesting to know how they want to implement that. 
But they've also got another policy as well. Yeah, they want to have a rental warrant of fitness. So again, this is to make sure that your property is up to a suitable standard for renting out. But it's different from healthy homes, though, because with healthy homes, it's the impetus is on the tenant to complain. This would be the responsibility is on the landlord to show that they comply. Just like with your car, you've got to go take it in. And you as the car owner have to prove that it is roadworthy. At the moment, you don't have something like that with your houses. You just rent it out. Even if it doesn't meet healthy homes, it's on the tenant to complain if they're unhappy about it. The Māori Party want to have a vacant house tax. So if you've got a house, and we've spoken about this on the show before, where it might just be completely vacant, if you haven't had a tenant in the last six months, you have to pay 33% of the property value. How do they calculate that? Well, that's interesting because I emailed Te Party Māori and they haven't got back to me within a couple of days. But what it seems on their website is it'd be 33% of the property's value. So what, I own a million dollar house in Auckland, for example. So you've got to pay $333,000. <laughs> that's what it says on their website. Right. I was convinced there must have been an error. That I got has... in touch with their team. They haven't got back to me, but that's what it, that's what it said. I do have some question marks around that because it does seem quite outrageous. I don't imagine that that would be a policy that would ever be practically implemented. Maybe. Maybe you could say 33% of what the fair market rent would be. Maybe. But yeah. certainly Currently that, says properties value, yeah. at least on their website. So there are some quite large changes that some of the more left-leaning parties like Greens and Te Party Māori want. Obviously, Labour doesn't have policy around this because they've already implemented their policy around removing 90-day no-cause terminations. But let's talk about the right and centre-right parties. What do they want to do? So National want to bring back a no-cause termination, so the 90-day rule that you would have heard about a number of years ago on this podcast, and that fixed terms would actually be fixed terms again. And what I mean by that is if I let my property out for a one-year fixed term, it doesn't automatically roll over to a periodic tenancy. And look, we can't see any commitment dates for these rules, but these are proposals at this stage. Active said that they want to reverse all of Labour's changes. That's pretty bold at that stage, and they want it as part of their 100-day plan. And what's important to say is the 100-day plan, as I mentioned before, that's to get the legislation passed. It doesn't mean that it comes in 100 days after the election. So often what you see is a party or a government comes in, they pass a law, but that might not be implemented for another year or another six months. So we'll have to find out when it would actually be implemented. They haven't said exactly what that includes. They've just said they'll reverse the changes, but I think you could assume that it includes the 90-day no cause and also likely the, the same as national, the rolling over from fixed term to periodics. What about healthy homes? Was that Labor's policy? That was Labor's policy. They haven't said that they would reverse healthy homes from right. what I've seen, but that's off the top of my head. I think they're specifically talking about the Residential Tenancies Act changes, yes. specifically around the 90-day no course. And finally, we've got to talk about the other taxes. So Labor, National and Act have all said no wealth tax. They don't want to bring one of those in. But both the left-leaning parties, Greens and Te Party Māori, they both want one. So for Greens, they're looking at about 2.5% for any wealth above $2 million for an individual. So let's say you've got $3 million worth of wealth, a million dollars of that would be taxed, so you'd have to pay twenty-five grand a year to the government for having that extra million dollars worth of wealth. For Te Pāti Māori, they've got a bit of a sliding scale. It starts at 2%, goes up to a maximum of 8% for anything over $10 million. That does mean that, you know, let's say you had $11 million worth of wealth, 
that last million bucks, you'd be paying $80,000 a year for owning whatever that particular asset was. So you'd have to get a really strong return from that money in order to pay it. Te Pāti Māori also want to bring in a land banking tax. This is mainly for developers. So let's say, Andrew, you bought some land and you decide, no, I'm just going to keep it for a while. Well, if you didn't develop it within four years, then you would have to pay a 33% tax on the increase in value. So if you bought a, a piece of land for two million bucks and it's now worth 2.5, you've made $500,000, you'd be paying about 166 grand because you didn't develop it. A lot of these challenges with these, of course, is that there's no income necessarily derived from these assets. So you've got to have other cash to be able to pay them. Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about some of the smaller parties is that they put out quite radical policies. That's both act on the right, same with Greens Inter-Party Māori on the left. It's really easy to do that when you're a smaller party because you can promise a lot, but you're not held as accountable as one of mm. the major parties because you could always say, well, in coalition no negotiations, that didn't come out of the wash. I'm not telling you not to vote for a minor party, but obviously they can be a little bit more radical and propose some larger changes. Now, you might ask, well, what impact might this all have? One thing that's really interesting is I've been keeping track of one of Tony Alexander's surveys, specifically the one of real estate agents, where he asks agents, are you noticing more or fewer investors in the market? And what's really interesting is that back in March 2021, as soon as Labour brought in the interest deductibility change and announced it, we saw a real change in sentiment from property investors. We went from 10% of real estate agents or 10% more real estate agents saying, yep, we're seeing lots of investors compared to those who said they weren't. We immediately saw a flick the other way where up to 60% more real estate agents were saying, nah, we're not seeing investors compared to those who were saying we've seen it. So I think if we saw some of these changes in policy, you probably would see more investors, you know, perking up saying, oh, okay, maybe this would be a bit more interesting for us. But ultimately, again, you guys will vote for whoever you want to vote for based on the whole party manifesto, based on all of the range of policies. This is what we are seeing proposed specifically around property investors. Because that's most relevant to you guys, that's what we're letting you know about. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out for more people. And hey, don't forget, last night at the webinar, we also announced that we are doing a tour around the country. Yes, we've got our seminar tour. It's called the Wealth Plan Tour, and we're going to talk about how to retire early with two to five properties. And we're coming to Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch. Real simple. Just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash tickets and you'll be able to secure your spot or the link's down in the show notes. So just tap or swipe over the cover art. It'll be in there. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. I'm Andrew Nichol. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.